Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is being brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. Ray, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Top five Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. But since today is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Top five Tuesdays. I've only seen a couple, but that's definitely top five. Is it Tuesday? Can't you ask me an intelligent question? Is this the Lawrence Holmes Show? Then it's top five Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Got it? Good. That's right. It is Tuesday and top five. Ray and I were talking about a couple different things. At some point, we are going to do a top five about people who you follow, but you don't consume their work. We were going back and forth, like thinking of people who like we follow on Instagram or Twitter. We're like, wait a minute. Like I've. I don't. I can't name a song by that person that I follow, or I've never seen a movie that that person is in. So once I I like crystallize what I want that top five to be, we will bring it to you. And at some point, as I say every week, I'll give you my top five rappers of all time. It's the longest tease in the history of this show. I was thinking today, though. I think maybe next week. Top five rap albums of all time. I think. We'll see. It still might be a little too hot. You know, you know, Streets is talking. You never know. But what I decided to do today was I wanted to have like a broader conversation about this. So I figured the way to get into the conversation was to put together a top five. These are my top five jerseys. I'm sorry, sweaters. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, the teams have to have been in the Stanley Cup playoffs to be considered for my top five. Number five. Zabandajad for Kreider. Zabandajad lifted the stick and wound up with the puck. The stick of Teravainen. Shot score! From the bottom of the circle, Chris Kreider has made it 2-0 New York. The Rangers... Home jersey. It's clean. Like the writing on it is clean. I love how it goes across the front of the sweater. I do like them having the 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 strings on it. I like the cross stitch look of it. It's very clean. The color blocking on it is solid. 
So I had to go with the Rangers as number five. Number four! Ubay says one high and wide. As the final five minutes are brought to you by Geico. John Crowe to Shillington. Shoots and scores! Finally, Calgary is able to solve Mike Smith. As Shillington gets Calgary on the board with under five minutes to go. With Calgary, there's a couple of different uniforms that I could have quite honestly put. Like back, was it 2020 when they did the Pegasus, which is dope. But the Calgary away jerseys are just clean, almost as clean as their ice surface. But it's a clean look. I am drawn to red. So when I see people incorporating red effectively, I like that. In years to come, Calgary might be higher up on this list. I really enjoy their sweater. Number three. The Maple Leaf Sport third period in game five. Another three. What will this third bring? Puck flipped away at center. Here's Nylander. Late stages of the period. Maybe a chance in front. Scores! John Tavares with 7.8. And in stunning fashion, the Leafs lead it. I love both home and away Maple Leaf sweater, but I'm more partial to the away sweater. I think the blue pops off of the white background, and then you have the Maple Leaf there, and I really think it looks good, which is strange when you'll hear my number one, but I both jerseys are fly. Like, Don't get me wrong. They both are, but the away Toronto sweater looks, it looks clean. Like, it's just really crisp. It pops off TV. It's, it's no matter who they're playing, like, you can see if you have a great television, their away sweater looks top notch. Number two. Taves waiting for his teammates to tag up. Rifles it back into the zone. People over to fault. Heavy forecheck here. Shot from Kadri, and it's a hat trick for Nazem Kadri. As the Colorado Avalanche are now up by two in the third period. I have always been drawn to the Colorado Avalanche logo and what is kind of a strange color scheme. I In 97, I had an Avalanche sweater. I, I had one. I was wearing it around DePaul's campus. I've always dug it. It's it's not as clean as some of the other ones on the list, but I, I I dig the way that they have the actual like avalanche like surrounding the A on the sweater. It's very different. Like it's a very different type of sweater. And and I I dig on the colors that they ended up putting together. It somehow all makes sense and all works. Which leads me to number one. 39 saves for Andre Vasilevsky. Here's Bogosian towards the net. Man, that Tampa Bay Lightning home jersey looks great. Now, it's possible that because of my background as someone who is into geekdom, that this looks a lot like Shazam or like The Flash, but I 
also think that theirs is clean. Uh, it's the reverse with the their their away jerseys are great, just like Toronto's are. It's a similar color scheme, but the lightning bolt itself with the the band around the bottom of the sweater, it pops, man. It, it's a really strong look. The blue on blue with the the silver lightning streak is a really really solid solid look. So that's my top five. Top five sweaters that are going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. And this is what I wanted to end up talking about here. It doesn't happen very often. We don't talk a ton of hockey on the score, especially when the Blackhawks aren't good. And we're probably not going to start doing it. But if you've been paying any attention at all, if, if you want to compare and contrast the two playoffs, not the two sports, but the two playoffs this year, the Stanley Cup playoffs by a mile over the NBA playoffs. And I think that a lot of people are starting to look at basketball the same way that we're starting to look at baseball, where there, there seems to be a... a true three outcome type thing going on with basketball. It's really one outcome. If you don't shoot three pointers, well, you're going to lose and you're going to lose by a lot. And that's what the NBA playoffs has been. Oh, this team's hot from the three point line. They won the game by 25 and the other team shot 20%. And of course they got blown out. Series after series after series, this has been the case. It's boring's not the right word. I, I think that's too reductive. But it hasn't been stimulating. Like as a viewer, there have been a couple of games here and there that have been fun. The closeout game between the game six between Milwaukee and the Celtics was fun. But for the most part, was that game five of Memphis and Golden State was intriguing. And it was intriguing even though it was a blowout. Like the intriguing part was the the Golden State Warriors thought they were going to run away and Memphis came out there and whooped that trick. And that was great. But for the most part, watching these series has been unsatisfying. Meanwhile... Over in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think that why a majority of people that I have interacted with on Twitter about this, and some people I've talked to offline, are enjoying it because scoring has been up for the most part. These games have been insane. I'm sure that there are purists of the game that don't like it, that would prefer a 3 to 2 game or a 4 to 3 game if things really got out of control but this series that's been happening between Edmonton and Calgary has been ridiculous what what happened in that game where you had two three different three goal leads in that game like that's insane a game that ends up getting tied six apiece so it's been enjoyable, and you've seen some of the young stars and some of the – can we call Tampa Bay because of their success? Can like, I? Obviously, they're not an original six, but are they a heritage franchise now because they've been so good over the last decade? 
So we're seeing some of those teams, some of the new teams have come in. Some of the the Canadian teams have been a part of it, which is a big deal to folks in Canada. It's just been a bit more enjoyable. And I I haven't picked a team, but if you were going to ask me who do I I think is going to win, I would say Tampa because Tampa. Sean King, we never did play that interview with Sean King, did we, Ray? Maybe we'll bring it back tomorrow. I don't know. But Sean King, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback who now works for VEASAN, he's a huge hockey fan. Like, he's a crazy lightning fan. And I, I guess he really knows hockey, too. Like, he, he went when he was with the Buccaneers or doing Buccaneers stuff. Like, he went and, like, to a bunch of games. He knows people in that organization. They tell him stuff. We should play that at some point. Maybe maybe when we get back next week, we'll have some time to do it. Because it was interesting what he said about Justin Fields. I know I'm kind of all over the place. I'm just giving you early 2000s Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just gave you NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. I've given you the NBA being unsatisfying. And then I, I throw in, hey, how about the Bears? But that's the stream of consciousness of this show. And it's a very, very good thing. My thesis statement is, in this postseason, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been more entertaining and more satisfying than the NBA playoffs. That could change with the finals, I guess. But where we're at right now with the NBA, the style of game is less appealing and I'm not sure what they can do about that. I, I it doesn't it doesn't strike me as that you can have a lot of close games if that's the the way that the game goes. But I will say that I enjoy the type of defense that both Miami and Boston plays. But man, if if Miami's having a bad night, in part because of the great defense that Boston plays, they are not fun to watch at all. The White Sox have been fun to watch in their last two games. I would like to talk about them as they get ready for this series against Boston and start thinking about what it is that we saw on Sunday and if any of it means anything. I'll discuss next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Anderson to right, well hit, Judge going back, looking up, it's gone! Tim Anderson, a three-run shot, his fifth of the year. And the White Sox here in the eighth inning now lead it 5-0. We saw him hit a big home run last year to feel the dreams to right field to win it, a walk-off. Very similar to this one, right field again. He knew it once he hit it, and that right index finger says it all. Highlight courtesy of Sunday Night Baseball and ESPN. Our hockey highlights were also courtesy of ESPN. By the way, before I get into the White Sox, I was watching the TNT intermission show yesterday for hockey. I liked it. It's pretty good. They they let it fly a little bit. They're starting to loosen up, which is good. I want to... 
Maybe you got guests tomorrow. You know what? I wonder if Navo will come on tomorrow. We do have Stoney and we got Russ on the show tomorrow. Let's see if we can find a space with Navo because I want to ask him if it's chicken or the egg on NHL popularity. We'll get to that on tomorrow's show. Highlight courtesy of ESPN. White Sox win the doubleheader against the Yankees on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. And it was great to see. It's great to see the, the White Sox win a doubleheader and in the way that they won it. They won it with pitching. You're, you're seeing Johnny Cueto. The, to me, the Johnny Cueto thing is it's probably already paid for itself. Like the amount of money that you spent on Johnny Cueto is probably already giving you a return on investment. And you go and you ride this thing with him as long as you can. If he's still making batters uncomfortable, if he's still upsetting their timing to the degree that he's upsetting their timing, then I am here for it. I'm here for all of the Louis Tiant and Satchel Page and hesitation, whoever else you can think of. I'm I'm here for him being the, the Norman Smiley of baseball. Wants to give it a little wiggle? Give it a little wiggle. I appreciate those of you who got the reference. I don't know if it's sustainable, though. But what is cool when watching the White Sox through this stretch where they've been up and down, up and down, around 500, is that the starting pitching is starting to like normalize. And you're probably two, three weeks away from getting Lance Lynn back. That should normalize it more. And that means that there's going to be some decisions that the White Sox are going to have to make. You're going to have to make a decision on what do you do? Who goes to the bullpen? And to me, that simple that that situation is simple to decide. One, from a baseball perspective, Dallas Keuchel isn't doing a lot for you. From a business perspective, they don't want him to get to hit the innings clause in his contract. I don't think that even if he was pitching great, he would end up getting there. And he's not really someone that you could see transferring over to a bullpen role. Like When I look at Dallas Kike, I don't see that being where he can be valuable. Same thing with Cueto. Although, I, I guess you could make the argument, if you give him enough time to get ready, because of the herky-jerky nature of his delivery and all the stuff that he does, like the pitching aspect of what he does, I'm going to ask Stoney about that tomorrow. Maybe he's someone who comes out of a bullpen and he just messes up the lineup where the, the other people are like, what the? I, I got to hit all of this? Like, what's he doing? What's all this stuff? I can't find the ball. But to me, the solution is simple. Vincent Velasquez goes to the bullpen. And if you want to keep Dallas Keuchel around, you go, hey, Dallas, how's your back? My back's fine. No, it's not. It's not fine at all. 
Remember, remember when we were talking about how sore your back is or your left shoulder? Ouch, that's got to hurt, bro. And you go on the IL. Unless they want to cut him, there's an argument for cutting him. One, the business argument of not wanting to pay him the money for the innings. And two, I'm not sure the manager likes him. And I I am sure that the manager doesn't like him talking about, I need more innings. I don't like how much I've agreed with Tony La Russa this week. It's making me uncomfortable. But Tony basically told him, you want to pitch longer in games? Pitch better. Fair enough. That seems to be really fair. And then when they gave him the ball, what happened? Yakatao time. The problem with the White Sox and why we're seeing a team that is always at equilibrium through 41 games is that they don't hit consistently enough. The starting pitching has been good enough. I would tell you that the starting pitching says that they should be a lot better than what they are. But they're still not scoring runs consistently enough. They did what they had to do against New York on Sunday. First game, they got late RBIs to solidify a win, and it got a little bit dicey because Aaron Judge came up there and hit a home run, and you're like, man, here we go. Here, here We've been waiting all day for the Yankees lineup to show up, and here we go. White Sox bullpen then came in and closed the door. White Sox got a couple of runs from some unexpected places, and you have a win. Second game, you dominated. You had dominant starting pitching from Michael Kopech. And then your superstar was like, let me be a superstar. And Tim comes through in a big moment on a big stage after a really interesting weekend in New York. So they come out of that. And when we were coming into this segment, last segment, where you were hearing Joe Kelly on with Parkinson Spiegel. And again, I think you should listen to the entire episode or uh, interview with those guys. And he was talking about, yes, the championship teams can use stuff like what was going on between Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson as a way to jumpstart their season. I, I sit there and I go, I'm hopeful that that is the case, but I'm also concerned because they shouldn't need something like that to jumpstart. If it ends up being the thing, that allows them to reach their full potential as a great baseball team that we're, we're hoping with all that talent that they've got, they've collected. Cool. But it shouldn't have to come to that. That that's not where you have to be. And I don't know how you fix some of these issues other than you start playing teams that are a little bit lesser but even against teams that have been lesser, like teams in their division. 
We're not that far removed from the Kansas City series. The one that looked like they looked like they were going to lose. Can they be more consistently offensive? Maybe we're seeing Jose Abreu start to kind of climb out of this funk that he's in. That would be extremely helpful. Extremely. Obviously, getting Eloy back at some point would be helpful too. I've been saying it for the last couple weeks. There's only three people in this lineup that I trust. I trust T.A., I trust Vaughn, and I trust Robert. Everyone else is a roll of the dice, and it's not supposed to be that way. With this offense, it's supposed to be you don't get a break. But that means that other guys are going to have to start doing more. Right now, I believe Tim Anderson is top 10 in war in the American League. And I'm I'm pretty sure he leads his position at shortstop. If you were looking at like an all-star type deal for TA. This Boston team is very similar to the White Sox in that it's a team that has expectations that hasn't quite lived up to it yet. The beautiful thing about baseball is that it allows you a lot of time to fix some of your problems. But the the, the issue with the White Sox has been nothing has matched up. Like they're all like separate pieces of their season and they haven't matched up. On days when they get great hitting, they don't get great pitching. On days when they get great pitching, they sometimes don't get timely hitting. And when they get both of those, the defense goes to sleep. And I'm not sure how you connect all of those things. That's up to each individual player on on how they do their thing. But you start looking at some of these guys in the White Sox lineup that just need to do more. I'm looking at the amount of at-bats against Nick Pavetta. That's who they'll go up against tonight. There's not a lot of history here. But I look at a guy like Yoan Moncada. And I'm a big yo-yo guy. I think he's got an immense amount of talent. In the same way that we look at Michael Kopech and go, are you going to realize that talent? And so far, as a starter, Kopech has, I think, gone above and beyond realizing his talent and his power. The White Sox could really use Moncada like turning back in 2019 Moncada. They need someone from the left side that's going to put some fear into right-handed pitching. And if you look at the struggles of the White Sox in 41 games, right-hand pitching has been the bugaboo. Pavetta, by the way, is right-handed. Like Ryan Buckvich. Shout-out to Chris Ranji. Congratulations on the new job. Yasmani Grandal, I used to hate it last year when... Grandal was like you start looking at his on base percentage and you go, well, he's walking. I used to hate that because I feel like he's a middle of the lineup guy, like a run producer. I long for the days of Yasmani Grandal walking. It's something that stuck with me from the time that I was doing shows with Joe Madden 
that I now look at players in their seasonal arc on how are they drawing walks. And the reason that I do that is if they're drawing walks, that means they're seeing more pitches and they've got good command of the strike zone. Yaz right now, through 128 at-bats, his slash line is 180, 279, 521. To give you some perspective, he was an 800 OPS, but was 796 OPS player last year because he walked and he slugged. He only hit 238, but he can be valuable to this team by walking and slugging, and he hasn't quite done that yet. He's only getting on base 28% of the time. That's not good enough. If you're not going to hit, you've got to get on base somehow. I look at those two guys. If those two guys could click on, because TA's having a great season offensively, starting to stabilize defensively too. If you could get Moncada and Grandal to click on, then this lineup becomes real dangerous. I mean, I'll settle for Jose Abreu crawling out of of a hole and putting some fear into people, but against right-handed pitching, and I think Abreu's actually hit Pavetta well. Yeah, he's had eight at-bats against him, and he's in 375. You got to get the left-handed guys to to punish these right-handed pitchers. It started tonight. And if, if there is a rollover, if they can take something awful like Josh Donaldson and turn it into something beautiful, great. But I just kind of want them to buckle down against right-handed pitchers. That, that, that would be good. That's a good place to start. Take care of business against Boston and then take care of business against the Cubs. And the stupid, weird-ass twins keep winning games. Ray, Last night, I was watching Better Call Saul because there was no White Sox game. Cubs had taken care of the Reds. By the way, Better Call Saul last night. Good God. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But if they don't come back until July to finish off the last six episodes of this series, I think Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. And if you haven't jumped on, jump on. And last night, I had trouble going to sleep after the episode. And people who saw the episode know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was it was great. Like it was a great episode. Anyway, I'm watching Better Call Saul, waiting on the White Sox. So I wasn't paying attention. To, I was you know flip, flipping back and forth, watching a little bit of hockey, a little bit of basketball last night. I wake up this morning, I turn on Quick Pitch, because I that's pretty much what happens every morning. Sierra's hosting, so it's great. And then the stupid-ass, weird-ass twins. And now you don't have a problem with the weird-ass Minnesota twins? Yeah. They're out here winning games. The weird-ass twins have won five in a row. And as we sit here, the White Sox, who had an excellent Sunday in New York, are four and a half games behind the weird-ass twins. I can't stand it. 
is driving me crazy. I'm going to talk about Zach Levine next here on The Score. Yo, Holmes. Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. The next couple weeks is going to be really interesting because Zach Levine is going to be associated with a lot of things in free agency. I've spoken about how I feel on Zach Levine. I think he's a really good player. I think that he's a player that's earned a max contract, but I'm not sure that the Bulls should give him one. But I also think that every player that has the opportunity to experience free agency should take advantage of it. Zach should let all of these teams, he should go visit every single team that's on his list and maybe a couple that aren't on his list to figure out what is it that he actually wants. Where can where can he get the best life experience plus the most money in whatever sliding scale he thinks is important? Like that, maybe life experience is more important to him. Maybe going to a, a place that has no state taxes is important to him. I don't know. You see him as a San Antonio Spur for that reason or, or an Orlando Magic for that reason. I don't know. Or maybe trying to build off of what the Bulls accomplished last season is something that's super appealing to him. I'm still on the fence about that and whether the Bulls with Zach and his knees and DeMar and his game and his age and Vooch, uh, whether the three of them are going to be good enough to really compete for a championship. But I'm curious about all of this stuff, but don't freak out every time you see Zach Levine's link, his name linked to another team. It just means that his management is doing their job in trying to create a market for him. We'll see where he goes. We'll see Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 